0: What's going on, y'all? Just happy you could finally join us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Appreciate
1: your patience. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I've been the problem child the last two sessions, but at least my audio is working right away, which is positive. You yeah. sound
0: really good out of the gate. That's, that's good. great. Did you get the orange soda cleaned up?
1: Uh, yeah, oh my God. It was so gross. Yes, but it's all squeaky clean now. Although, you know, I'm sure it got like inside my mouse, like in the crevices. So oh, I don't know. Time for a new but mouse. So far, time for a new
0: mouse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, except these, this mouse is like $100.
0: Do you have the MX Master 3? It's
1: the MX Master 3 for Mac.
0: Oh, nice. Okay, so it's got the same color and like materials yes. that is on the MacBook. Oh, man. That, that's well, the way to go.
1: That's on my iMac Pro.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Anyway, enough about that. You know what has a surprising amount of calories? Gummy bears. Like, I know it's camp. not surprised. I know it's it's camp, but, like, they don't taste very sweet. Like, they're lightly sweet, and so I was like, ah, they probably don't have a lot of sugar. Like, a package of gummy bears has four servings in it, which add up to 400 calories, Mm. which, on the bag, they do say share size. So you got to
0: save some for us? Yeah. I don't have
1: any friends. Or any friends that, any you know. Physical friends. I don't have any physical friends. Real life friends. friends. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to have to sit here in my sadness and eat this entire share size 400 calorie bag of there you go you and birds. Anyway. We,
0: we went from real life friends to virtual friends.
1: Yeah. yeah. What, what a bummer. Real life friends are so much better. Yes. I agree. We'll be real life friends soon enough. <laughs> we'll be back.
0: You are, you're we'll like tapping back. your microphone or something, Igor? I'm,
1: adju- I'm adjusting it. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Cool. Yeah. We're back. All right. Well, what are we talking about today? I think we're talking line number five. The feedback. You're waiting for this moment, Robert. Yeah, I have some things I need to get off my chest. I think <laughs> on this one, <laughs> we're going to give you positive
1: attention, Robert, because that's what you Thank really you. need.
0: That's what I really need. Yeah. Yes. All, All right. right,
1: Robert. Since you're you got the hottest take on this, you want to you want to kick it off?
0: Yeah. Sure. So the lie is people need feedback, and the corresponding truth, and this is line number five of nine is people need attention and when you give people attention in a safe and and non-judgmental environment we will come and stay and play at work that's what they say and so i do think that there is a undercurrent in this chapter that i wholeheartedly agree with which is the sort of overweight of positive reinforcement and anytime you catch your people doing something call it out 100% agree with that you want people on your team to engage in future behaviors that are effective and positive and aligned with the organization and all of those things. And that's such a small adjustment to make as a leader. I think we're terrible at giving feedback. And we'll talk about that in a second. The, the one core thing that they hit on, which I would say, if you only take one thing out of this chapter or this conversation is like, when you see somebody do something good, call it out immediately. That's such a great way to positively reinforce activity in the future. The rest of the chapter, I think we start with a... I remember this kind of thing and this kind of idea in math where, or in physics, right? You have this problem that's pretty meaty, right? And you make an incorrect assumption at the very beginning of the problem, and that assumption carries through to your solution, and you're way off. And I think there's something similar here where, you know, they when they talk about feedback, I think what they have in their mind is negative criticism. Not which is different than negative feedback. If you do something that's not effective, and I talk to you about it, that's not what they're talking about here. I think they're saying don't criticize your people, which I I could definitely get on board with. You definitely need you need feedback on both sides of the equation, though. Again, there's a balance here. You can't just go one direction. And then I'm I'm just going to scroll to the end of the chapter, which this is the the silly part that maybe we can just move past because they say, and we'll talk about what they mean by attention too. But they say, the nature of your attention is key. If a team member screws something up, of course you have to deal with it. So what, like, how exactly am I supposed to do that without giving feedback? What does that mean? And so the, the chapter is a little bit sloppy in that regard, but I, there are some nuggets here that we should dig into. They, they do have some pieces that I think are fairly solid advice, and the topic is definitely worth discussing as a group. So let's get into it.
1: I, I have a hard time taking the book's position on this. Topic because I love feedback and I love negative feedback. And they spend a bit of time in the beginning of a chapter making fun of all these articles that are promoting this idea of, oh, the millennial needs a lot of feedback, a lot more than your boomer or your uh, Gen Xer or whatever. And possibly, you know, that had to do with, especially when those articles were being printed, a lot of millennials, and I guess they still are. Although they're aging out, they're like really pretty early in their careers, and so you're probably earlier on in your career. You're probably more open, and you're also seeking more feedback. I don't think it was a generational thing. I think back when boomers were in their 20s and 30s, they probably also felt the same way. So it was, it's one of those things that's not a generational difference. It's probably more of like a life or career stage. But you know, feedback can land very differently depending on who's delivering it, how they're delivering it. Was, was there mutual, let's say, reciprocity and permission for feedback? And uh, one of those things, Robert, and maybe even Charles, like we, we're really keen on feedback because uh, another podcast. Isn't that right? Yeah, Manager Tools. Manager Tools. Charles, do you, do you ever listen to the feedback episodes of, of Manager Tools?
2: Never. I've never listened to a single episode of Manager Tools. Oh, you've only gotten all that stuff secondhand from me yeah. and Robert, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep.
0: And yeah. and yet you're probably 75% aligned with their yes. guidance, like <laughs> out of the box. Yeah, exactly.
2: that's what I've gleaned. I'm sure there's more I could learn always, but philosophically, if y'all are in alignment with them and I'm in alignment with you, then I think,
0: yeah. By the transitive property. (laughs) Transitive (laughs) property. There you go. Oh, nice. Excellent.
2: Science, folks. There you go. Yeah,
0: I think that's how it works. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) The manager tools, and and, uh, correct me if I'm misrepresenting this because it's been a while since I've listened to all the episodes, probably good five or six years at this point, but they have what's called the Trinity. Does that ring a bell, Robert?
0: Yeah, which is actually four things.
1: A sort of, oh, sort of yeah. an inside joke. <laughs> That's right. That's and, right. Yeah. So, one-on-ones,
0: coaching, feedback, delegation. Those yes. Those four.
1: Yep. Exactly right. So delegation, delegation is that fourth joke, right? That's the. But I think they also think about coaching and delegation as like uh, two sides of the same coin. But the first thing they recommend, they're like, "Hey, if you do nothing else, set up one-on-ones with your directs every week, half an hour, et cetera, et cetera." And they have you know very tactical things on how to do that. The next thing they go into is. Uh, feedback. Like, hey, your team was looking for your feedback. Here's how you roll out feedback. And by the way, a lot of people, when they hear feedback, they think corrective feedback or negative feedback, or they think of it as a euphemism, maybe for criticism. But Mark and Mike from Manager Tools, they're like, hey, when you're starting to roll out feedback for folks, only start with positive supporting feedback. So when your people are doing right things the right way, give them feedback.
0: And tell them that's what you're doing ahead it's of out, time. Yeah, totally. like, I'm going to start rolling it's out feedback. Doing. This is how it's going to look. This is how it's going to sound. I'm going to ask yeah. you first and it's going to be completely 100% positive for the first, what do they say, three months? I, it's quite a bit of time. It's a
1: bit of time. And, and they, they also say, hey, first, roll it out with your highest performers. Roll it out with the highest performers first and then move down. And we'll just, I'll just go through it real quick. Robert, you have the drill. Robert, can I give you some feedback? When you're patient with me, and don't fly off the handle when I'm late to a podcast recording episode. It really makes me feel like you're an accepting part of my organization, and it makes me feel closer to you and, and others at the company.
0: Thank you. Absolutely. Glad yeah. I could do a good job for you there.
1: So exa- example of positive feedback, and there's a couple of parts to it. First, asking permission. It's a very strange thing at first, but, but the phrase hey, Robert, can I give you some feedback? By the way, for some people, if they haven't experienced a lot of positive feedback in their life, that can send a chill down their spine.
0: That happened to me recently, actually. So new mm. team, which you all know about, and we had uh, our first delivery checkpoint, which went really well. And right afterwards, I, I talked to one of the people on the team and said, hey, can I give you some feedback? And I, it was something along the lines of the way you answered this question, what really made it look like we had our stuff together and signaled like a level of command of the details that I thought landed really well with our stakeholders. And afterwards, he said, hey, I thought you were going to like tell me something bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remembered. No, like, that's, that's what uh, happens. But I never warned. I, I forget because our teams churn so quickly, mm. and I forget to reset those expectations. And so it is one of those things like I just instinctively did it. And it went well. It was a great discussion. It was just, oh man, I should have. It's one one of those. should have let you know what was coming.
1: You don't have to dread that phrase. Uh, and in fact, the way that you're, you're being recommended to introduce it is you're basically conditioning people to associate that phrase with something positive that's coming that way, positive attention. And I think that aligns very much with the chapter in this book.
0: Yeah, like that, they do recommend you don't ask. Like there's a weird piece in there, but it's definitely important. And, and if someone says no, I think that's a great sign because it it protects, like no is a very protective word. Mm -hmm. And you could be coming up on someone who's six steps into a really meaty 10-step problem and you don't want to knock over the house of cards they've built up in their mind. It's like, Mm -hmm. no usually means not now. Typically, I've never experienced someone that always just says no every single time forever. And so I think it's a really good way for you to create a, a positive relationship experience when you say, okay, yeah, cool. We'll, we'll talk about this later or something and really respect that no, but it's usually not because they don't want to hear it. It's because they have something else on their mind. And when they say yes, and when you say feedback, that's a trigger word or signal that says, okay, hey, we're talking about my performance now. And it pre-wires them to be in a position to hear it because if they're not in a mindset to hear it, then you giving it is not going to be helpful.
1: Absolutely. And You really have to respect that no because this is a lot of times a direct telling their supervisor, no, I don't want to hear feedback from you. Which for a lot of directs is really it's a really hard thing to say. Even if they're even if they're in a mind space where they don't want to hear the feedback right now, good or bad, it's hard for folks to say no to their supervisor for that in that instance. And so if they say no, boy they probably really mean it. And then if you just like steamroll right over their consent, it's going to just really, I think, tear down your relationship. Yes. And they're still not going to. Whatever you're trying to do with the feedback, whether reinforce good behavior or to correct something that, that needs correction, neither of those things are going to be accomplished if you don't respect the no.
0: Absolutely. And I think there's the, the flip side of that exact same coin is it is your responsibility as the leader of the group to build really phenomenal relationships with your team so that you have relationship capital to come in and give direct feedback about performance positive or negative. And so that's a precursor and that's why when we we brought up manager tools when they talk about one-on-ones it's there's nothing special about the one-on-one it's just an effective way to build great relationships with your team. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have good relationships with your team, if you're a new leader, if you have new people on the team, you really have to be careful around feedback doesn't mean don't give it, but there is an intentional methodical, slowish approach that goes into establishing a consistent pattern around it.
2: I've got a question for you. And this is what I've been chewing on, thinking about since y'all talked. And Igor, I think you said, hey, if you're giving feedback to correct a problem or reinforce behavior, you, you said something like that. Do you see feedback and reinforcement as synonymous or different? I yes, I do. And and so
1: maybe break down the feedback model just a little bit more, just so you can see where it goes. So you, the first part is gaining consent from the person you're giving feedback to. The second part is calling out a very specific behavior. So in Robert's case, the behavior was not uh, being angry at me or being accepting of me.
0: I, I took the flip well, what's side. funny is, and I was angry on the inside. I just didn't manifest the behavior. And what's important <laughs> yeah. is that I don't manifest the behavior. That, that's right. Yeah, yeah, because behavior
1: is observable, and, but intention and changeable. is observable. And, and changeable. Yep. And, and that's a lot of times, I think one of the examples that I like to use for this is when, uh, and I'll use a negative example, but hey, when you're disrespectful, being disrespectful is not an observable be- behavior, not on its own. You have to go a little bit deeper. You have to say, when you roll your eyes when that other person is speaking, for example, you, you want to be as specific as possible with the behavior in your feedback. And then you talk about the outcome of that behavior. You know? When you
0: interrupt Igor on a podcast, he feels disrespected, and that undermines your ability to create great content with him in the future. Yeah,
1: and that outcome is something that matters to Robert because Robert cares about creating great content with me. If he didn't care about that, we would have to think about a different outcome that we would use for the feedback that Robert does care about, because Robert may may uh, think about like, he may not care about creating great content, care about how he's perceived by the audience, and so the outcome might be: hey, when you interrupt Igor during the podcast, people think you're a jerk, and they and they don't want to listen to you, and then Robert's: oh, I better, I don't people want people to think not I'm a jerk. Me. Yeah, yeah. So you you also the feedback model is very nuanced because as you're thinking through the outcome. You have to think about what matters to the person that you're giving the feedback to, not what matters to you, not what matters to the company per se. Add
0: to that too, you you can focus on team objectives, right? When you're late to a meeting, it shows that you're not a team player or people can perceive you as not being a team player and that causes us to start late and we don't get as much done. And so I think you could align it with team objectives, organizational values, Things like that, because that's still, even if it doesn't really matter to the person you're giving feedback to, which is less optimal than what you said, Igor, there's still an articulation of why that's an important thing to be giving feedback on and why a change in behavior will result in a, in a more positive outcome. Yeah, you know, Robert's giving me feedback on the other
1: side, We're can to give you some feedback? When you're late to the podcast, you're letting the team down and the team feels like, you know, the rest of the podcast team feels like they can't rely on you. Boy, like, that hits me really hard. I suppose if the same outcome was, like, people think you're just a jerk. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. People, you know, there's a lot of people think that I'm a jerk. I, I don't care about that. But as soon as you hit me with, you're letting your team down, like, that is a, like, straight-to-the-gut thing because I'm like, I never want to let my team down. And
2: But the behavior is the same, right?
1: Not being on time.
2: This is where I think I draw... A clear distinction between feedback and reinforcement, and I wonder if what I don't know. I, I didn't read the books. So I'm not, not exactly sure. Like feedback to me is it is information about behavior that was observed, and you're pointing out things that you did well or you didn't do well, right? Like that to me, that's feedback. It's about what you just and what observed. the impact, yeah, and the impact. And well, I don't know, maybe not the impact. I think the reinforcement piece is about influencing future behavior.
0: Ah, okay, so Igor didn't hit the last part of the feedback model. Okay. Th- that when I gave the original feedback to Robert, I actually forgot a key line. I, mm.
1: I, I said the first part of it, but not the second part. So I, I said, thank you, right? Hey, when you do, this is what how it makes me feel, this is what happens, thank you. The, the really correct way is, thank you, can you keep doing that, please? Mm. Yeah, keep it going. So that little line, it thanks them, and then... In- you say the next line which encourages future exhibition of that behavior or if you're giving corrective
0: feedback, you say a line that discourages future exhibition of of that behavior. Which is really magical because you say something like, Hey, can you change that? And then if the behavior repeats, then you can also work into, Hey, we've talked about this. You said you were going to do something about it. Those kind of things.
2: That's that fits what I call reinforcement, right? There's feedback, either positive or negative. You did this. You didn't do this well. And then there's positive or negative reinforcement to say, please do more of that. Please do less of that. Yeah. Like overly simplistic. And I think what sometimes I think people get wrong, maybe when starting out, is not giving. I think maybe what people do, oh, this goes back to what you said, Robert. It's like when people start to give feedback, it's uh, really just criticism. Like it, it is uh, punishment.
0: Yeah. As opposed to
2: feedback or reinforcement. Yeah. Right. I can't believe you did that. Why that's did not you do that? feedback or reinforcement. Yeah, yeah yes. that's punishment. And so w- once you overcome that, I think people learn to actually give feedback, but they don't reinforce. They'll say, hey, nice job. Right? That's feedback on how you handled that question from the stakeholder. But without the reinforcement, it doesn't necessarily help to influence and change future behavior, which is where the reinforcement piece comes in either positive or negative. But none of that is punishment. None of that is harmful. And I think maybe that's what the book is trying to attack is oftentimes people are harsh and people get defensive and so on and so forth. But yeah, I, I like the, what did you call it? The feedback model, the Trinity or whatever it sounds.
0: Well, that, that's part of the make, Trinity, right? Feedback is, is part of their, like really the claim to fame is the the manager tools Trinity and one of them. Oh, like, one okay. one yeah. leg of that is uh, feedback. It, which I I've, I've been using for a decade now. It's been yeah. so helpful because it takes the awkwardness. It's a little awkward when you first start just like any new mm-hmm. skill you're learning. It is so fundamentally different from anything that you would do by default that it takes some practice, but I tell you what, it's been a very consistent tool in my tool bag that has helped me take some of the my- the mystery and awkwardness of situations that can very easily go sideways even if you're sometimes if you're talking about positive performance, which is a paradoxical thing. But when you have to go in and address negative performance, negative ineffective behaviors, there's a repeatable model for it. It's very consistent. You can practice it. You can get better at it. And it focuses on what your direct does in the future. It doesn't try to contemplate the why behind it or what they were going through. You can generally just assume people are trying to do the right thing, had a bad day, had a bad performance, did something wrong, didn't have the right skills, Whatever. You hone in on what the outcome was, asked to be had that reinforcement piece later. And, and it's just a, it's a nice thing to be able to lean on as a leader at any level.
2: Hey, so this is good. I now wonder you said the, the truth is that people need attention. Is that yeah. what the book so, says?
0: So, real quick, I, I do want to point one thing out and then we can get into that. What I would never say, and, and Igor, I'm totally thrilled that you relate to the podcast because you relate because you. We're working on a very important client meeting. I'm not mad at you. But what would be very inappropriate for me to think or draw the, the conclusion to is that Igor was late because he's a bad person, doesn't care. You can't attribute intent and feelings and project your own opinions on the state of mind of the other person, regardless of what their behaviors are. You really just have to address the the concrete, observable things. You can't say Igor's a bad person. Igor doesn't care. Igor has a bad attitude. Those don't work. Like you, we're not smart enough. We don't have all the context required, or have the training required to make an assessment like that. So you should definitely stay away from attributing intent when you're thinking about giving feedback to your team. Yeah, makes total sense.
1: And, and focus on the future because, like, you can't undo me being late. Like I was late. And it was and it already happened, and especially that last line, the reinforcement line. It focuses on what to do in the future, not so much making somebody feel bad about what they just did. It's hey, we can have positive outcomes in the future with different behavior, rather than feel bad about what you just did. I think that's a pretty big distinction in the feedback model.
0: Yep, and so then they talk about attention, and this is gets a little nuanced because as part of the engagement surveys. And we've all felt this. I think we know this is true. Managers, leaders that ignore their team have the worst engagement ever. Like kind of the worst thing you can do is, is just ignore everybody. And so they talked about feedback as it relates to criticism and that's bad. Ignoring your people's bad. How can you give attention then and focus on the positive things, uh, and really beat around the bush on the negative things so that your team feels understood and heard and, and wants to stick around. And so this is where things go off the rails a little bit because it, it's one-sided. Yeah. Can I pause
1: here? Because this is, I think, where I had the biggest tension. I'll just give an example of you know, something that happens a lot. So let's say we're doing like a presentation, like some sort of sales presentation. And after the sales presentation, I will always ask the team for their feedback. and as they're giving me, let's say, positive feedback, okay, hey, the slides looked amazing, right? Like they really Which they did, a they <laughs> did a good job. they always do. They always do. did a good job of communicating the message, you know? And so giving some positive feedback, I, I, and I don't know if this is just me and this is what why I wanted to bring up this tension because I don't know if this is felt by Igor or if this is felt maybe by a broader audience, but I'm like, I don't care. I, I like, I just don't care about that. Yes, okay, fine, the slides look good, great. I want to hit fast forward and I'm like, I want the critical feedback.
0: I I see what you're Ah. saying. I don't feel the same way as you. But I do really want constructive negative feedback, whatever you want to call it. I'm fine calling it negative feedback. I want that. If I get too much of it too frequently or in a compressed amount of time, I do get a little peeved, a little annoyed. I think I, and I like attention. So I think I, I need a healthy balance. I could handle probably more negative feedback at this point in my career than I could at the beginning. But I definitely want, I want a mix. And I like hearing when I did things right. And and someone notices that you you put a lot of craft and thought and attention into the aesthetics and the flow of your presentations. They're cut above everything else that I see. And so it's cool sometimes to hear, hey, you put in some extra effort here. I, I noticed how you delivered this tough message or how you presented it in front of an audience that's cool for me to know so i don't mm. quite feel the same way you do but i wouldn't i would not want and it's not healthy to only get positive feedback
2: yeah i think if, for me it depends if i'm working on something if i'm trying to learn and grow in an area and i then i want yeah a very specific charles you need to do this in order to get better at that and if, if somebody starts with a oh, you did all these other things really so well, like I want to hurry through to the, you know, give me the feedback on the thing that I'm working on quickly because that's all I really care about. So in that way, I'm like you, Igor. But if I'm just doing my thing and I'm not really actively trying to improve in a particular dimension, it is very appreciated. And I like relish in it if somebody goes out of their way to say, hey, I noticed you're doing this thing. It's awesome keep it up. So I need both. I need both. And I I react very differently depending upon if I'm laser focused on trying to improve something, then I want feedback. But if I'm not, and I'm just doing my thing, then occasionally I would, I like recognition and acknowledgement that what I'm doing is good and valuable. Does that make sense?
1: Makes a lot of sense. And I think Charles, if I really contextualize what I said, I'm I'm in exactly the same like situation, like where I want a lot of critical feedback is the areas where I'm like really trying to learn and grow and the example I gave just happens to be one of those areas I want to continue to be much better like I want to be better every time I do the next presentation like I still feel like I have a long way to go and so in that situation I very much want the corrective feedback I don't want they talk about like the feedback sandwich and you heard about that
2: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: where it's you bookend like positive feedback, then you criticize, and then some more positive feedback, and especially yep, when I know that someone is idea. doing that, well, I'm <laughs> like,
2: oh my god, are you serious? What's terrible? I was taught that in business school. Yeah, like that was that yeah. was considered by good people who have never practice. led a
0: team before. Yeah, that's such yeah, a bad maybe. idea. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's it is really bad.
1: <laughs> let let me confuse you with mixed yeah. signals. <laughs>
0: We're so conditioned that even if you give, like I've had situations before where it's like, "Hey, here's some positive feedback." It's oh, I was waiting on the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. So I've had it where I asked if I could give feedback, and they were bracing for for something bad. And then other situations where I gave positive feedback, and they're like waiting on the other for the other shoe to drop, and for me to get to what I originally wanted to say, and were surprised when I was like, "Nope, that's it. Like, good job." And so yeah. it's uh, yeah, we've really done a number on uh, our teams and and people. Going, heading into the jobs they're currently in.
2: In in aggregate, though, like over the course of a review cycle, for example, especially when at least when I write reviews, I do try to be balanced. That there's a combination of positive feedback and negative feedback. But so I think there is a, yeah, I think you said this earlier. You can't just have all positive. There has to be a balance, and I think you just have to tailor the degree to the individual and the need to correct the behavior. <laughs> if there is a professionally detracting behavior that must be corrected before they can get recommended for a promotion, you better be really clear about that and not be Well, and you the had, would have
0: needed to talk to them about it a dozen times before yeah, and they should yeah. know it's coming. Well, I think what we're talking about here is timely stuff. So like same mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. same week. Mm-hmm. The performance review side, I think we're going to hit on line number six. So that's a little no, out I of scope it. of this yeah. discussion. But I do agree with you.
2: I do think it's, Interesting, because when I heard y'all talk about attention, like people just want attention. It's okay. Why do people want attention? Like people are generally, I think they crave some sort of attention. Others more than than Robert. I think you probably would say you crave more attention than maybe I do.
0: That's quantitatively true. Yes,
2: <laughs> quantitatively true. Okay, so I'm trying to I'm trying to dig deeper into why they said attention. It's okay. That means somebody is. Looking at the things that I'm doing and I I don't know, I I don't, I'm just curious as to why they landed on attention. Because I think if I want to get somebody's attention, and I'm actually thinking about my kids too, who are very attention seeking, rightfully so, based off of their stage in growth and development, a lot of times they want like validation, like they want to know that I'm important or they are important to me and they want me to hear what they have to say. And so I just don't know. I'm trying to see if that fits in the professional world. Are people wanting validation that they're either doing good things or that they have room to improve and yeah. that's why they seek attention? Or, I was or, hoping
0: we didn't go down this path. We, we can. It's just like they have this weird analog to the new generation is much more wired into social media and they need the the real-time like thumbs up to keep going. I'm using my words, not theirs, but there's a bizarre analog there. And then that there's another sort of example of Tom Landry, who's a great football coach, when he took over an underperforming team, came in and only replayed film, but said, Hey, like that that move you made right there, that was like really good. That's world class. And he only focused on the positive. And so they combined those two examples to come to the conclusion that feedback is terrible. So I, I think feedback in and of itself is a form of attention. Like your people definitely need your time and energy and thinking about them and their improvement and and their contributions on the team. I'm not arguing that. It's just, I don't, these two things are not in the same class of thing. And so Mm -hmm. it's hard to talk about attention and feedback like together.
2: I think it's, maybe there's a kind of a step-by-step, almost like a Maslow's hierarchy. Like at, at its base, our team members need attention from us, like period. Now, once you start to give your attention and you are paying attention, you're attending to them, then I think naturally feedback flows pretty easily yeah, once you know what totally. feedback is. And, and then once you do that, then it becomes the next progression is the, the reinforcing, either positive or negative reinforcement. I don't know. That's at least how I'm trying to connect those three things together. But I would
0: say that's yeah. the, the job of relationships and building and relationship building and one on ones. Like yeah, that's yeah, not absolutely. really, yeah. re, it's in the same zone, but not really related to feedback. That's the pre work you do to, frankly, earn the right to give feedback from a relationship, from a human perspective to your team.
2: Yeah. If you give feedback to somebody that you've never spoken to, you'll be like, what the heck? Where is this coming from? Who are you? Yeah. Yeah. I could see that.
0: Yeah, I was at a restaurant with a dear friend and he actually talked said to the waitress something was something came out wrong or there was some something off and he goes, "Hey, some feedback for you is this." And she looked like she was going to cry. And when she left, she goes he goes, "Did you see that? I came off like a jerk. Like I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I really was like genuinely interested in this person trying to help them." And Kim Scott has a book called Radical Candor where in order to give to have a, a really critical conversation with someone and have it land appropriately, you need to challenge directly, which he did. He was very direct in his challenge. And it was soft enough that if he had the relationship with the person, it would have been fine. But you also have to show that you care personally. And that he did not do that. And so, yeah, in this case, in your head, you weren't being a jerk because you care, but you didn't demonstrate that you cared. And so you actually were in this situation, bizarrely enough, to this person, you were a jerk to her. And I think there's that element, that's where it all comes back to relationships. That's a foundational piece. So I I do actually what you said, Charles, thinking about this like a hierarchy. The foundational element is relationships. And if you don't have that, all of this is going to backfire on you even if you try to give positive feedback. And in
1: the managed tools model, it is why you start with one-on-ones. You don't start Mm -hmm. with feedback. Mm -hmm. You hold feedback, implementing the feedback model until you build up sufficient amount of relationship with your team through the one-on-one method. And then you hold back coaching and delegation until you build up enough trust with your team with the feedback model. They all build on one another in that way.
0: So can, can I, I'd like to make two assertions, three assertions to y'all and want to get your reaction. They're going to yeah. be a little maybe tongue-in-cheek or on the provocative side, but I think that if we're in agreement with this could be our first rule of thumb, like the want to grab coffee feedback rule of thumb. And maybe we create rules of thumb over time for leaders. So I think this holds true. I want to get y'all's hot take on it. If you want to be a world-class performer in any discipline, you need about 10 times the feedback that you're getting today or that your peer group is getting. If you want your team to be world-class, you should be giving everyone on your team feedback once per day. I don't meet these standards. That's the third sort of assertion. Like I do think, though, it's something to aspire to. And that's the right level of granularity to think about when you're thinking about feedback. What do y'all think?
2: Yeah, I, I don't react negatively to that. Yeah I, yeah, I don't. I think that's, I don't think that's provocative. I think it is aspirational. I, I think depending mm. upon the team that you have and stuff like that, you know, I, I think that's really where the progression, really for me, the challenge is attention. My attention is fragmented across so many different things, so many different teams that to do what you just described once a day would require more Attention, yeah, and it's could doable. A
0: scalability problem, yeah,
2: yeah, it's doable, but yeah, something would have to give. Maybe
0: then it could be as a leader, you need to be giving three pieces of feedback every day or something. Like you, you could calibrate that, I'm sure, to your situation. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you definitely, yeah. there are days that go by where I don't give anyone feedback, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. think that's a missed opportunity because if I was paying better attention, if I was more present as a leader, there would be things to address.
2: I agree, and I think what I was thinking about is I gave a new manager that's spinning up a team. For me, some positive feedback the other day, and it felt good for me. It felt good for me to give that feedback to them because I imagined—I guess I was a—and I gave it over Slack, (laughs) so it wasn't face to face or over Zoom or anything like that. And it felt really good, though. And I think there is a little—it's not just altruistic in terms of you got to give feedback to people because they need it to grow and they want it. It's also good for me too, you know, because. When I deliver positive feedback to people, it feels good. But if I deliver negative feedback in the corresponding reinforcement, it helps them be better in their jobs, which helps me be better in my job. So there's a reciprocal kind of nature to giving feedback, which, yeah, I, I like that.
0: This is Three, why I love yeah. talking to you about this, because you have hit the reasoning behind doing this, whether you are... People focus or task focus. You actually may not care about the people on your team or what they have going on in their lives or what, how, what their well being is. It's not an optimal way to behave. If you don't, you could still, could and should still give feedback because it helps you get what you want. So even if you're mm-hmm. completely selfish, these are helpful behaviors. Yeah, but on yeah. the flip side, and what, what I resonate with and what I'm hoping most or all of our listeners resonate with is yeah, you're helping the humans around you be better at their craft, better at their job, be better at the thing that they spend more time doing in their life than they spend with their families, in most cases. That's a big deal. And so any incremental improvement that you can be a part of them making is carries a, a wide ripple effect through the course of a career across several people.
2: Yeah, well said. I like it.
0: So one one last thing I had just on my notes going into this. We are terrible at giving feedback as humans. We are inconsistent about it. Managers, leaders typically don't give feedback near enough, where if you think about other world-class performers like you know, professional athletes, it's just an easy one. They play in more fixed systems, but the, the amount of feedback that goes into a professional soccer player or football player or tennis player, they have all sorts of data and metrics. And when you're hitting your forehand on this side of the court against this person who hit backspin. This is what you can tweak to to get a little bit of an edge. It's just a crazy amount of feedback. We basically get no feedback (laughs) compared to some of these other world-class performers. So if you want to be world-class at your craft, that's going to take practice, that's going to take negative feedback, that's going to take people smarter than you, better than you, more experienced than you, feeding information into your performance so that you can make adjustments, not just on the good things. And if you're listening and you... Realize that you don't give as much feedback as you could or should join the club like we're all in the same boat. We're fully bought into this and we still fall short. I do think they're being a little bit aspirational about how much feedback you want to give would would make lots of pay huge dividends in the future, providing you build the rela- good enough relationships with your team to create a foundation where the feedback is is heard and acted upon in a healthy way
2: I just had a thought that maybe is another episode or maybe it's addressed in the feedback model. But I, just reflecting on our, our conversation that we recorded before this one around, what does it mean to be an executive? Like I, I still get feedback. I've got an executive coach and I've got mentors and coaches. Again, I get fractional attention from them just because that's a scaling problem. But I also give myself feedback. I don't know if that's weird <laughs> or not, but one of the things that I try to coach in, mentor people on is that they need to get better at giving themselves feedback as opposed to exclusively getting it from others around you, which I think is perfectly appropriate when you're first starting out in your career because you're not exactly sure what good looks like. But I think by the time you get to being an executive, there's got to be a level of introspection and measuring yourself against what is good and not good to be able to identify feedback for yourself. And maybe even reinforce, you know, those behaviors yourself as well. Does that sound crazy to y'all or does that sound Well, it sounds crazy reasonable? when
0: you say give myself feedback, but it, I, I think in the root, it's not when you said introspective, that made a lot more sense and yeah. that also will help you target how you go ask for feedback because a lot of times people aren't just going to offer it to you. But mm-hmm. if you say, hey, how did my slides look when we had this and I felt like I was not on the top of my game? my messaging wasn't coherent and they were mm-hmm. ugly. What do, you, yep. what do you think about that? And it will give some permission and focused attention on, oh yeah. Or what's even better is if you're working on something, hey, before we go into this, will you, will you check and count how many times I say um, and then let mm-hmm. me know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do think going and replaying scenarios, situations in your mind and thinking through how you might have handled it differently and having that introspective mode is a key part of improvement especially when there's maybe not someone around to, to give you that feedback.
2: Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, it, it reminded me. I did that the other day. i like, I came out of a meeting and I thought, I was like, you know what? I may have been too direct with that statement. So then I reached out to somebody else who was in the meeting and I got their, I asked for their feedback. So I, I think that's, yeah, I didn't realize that's what I was doing. But thanks for that, Robert.
1: I think I would just call that reflection, like self-feedback.
2: Yeah. That's a good yeah. way. Yeah,
0: reflection.
1: I like that. And and the more seasoned you are, the more experience you have. Probably the better and more accurate your reflection is going to be. I think that's what you're
2: pointing out, Charles. Yeah, yeah. I think it is a skill. Yeah, I think it's a skill for sure. Hey, can I offer something? This is completely tangential. Just yeah, real quick, go for it. There's something that you said, Robert, earlier. Where about? Hey, you can't assume because Igor showed up late. So the podcast recording that he's just a terrible human being. Something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It made me think of, there's a, a principle or a rule of thumb that I've learned. It's called Hanlon's razor. Have y'all ever heard of that? So here it is. Never attribute to malice that which is adequate, adequately explained by stupidity. And then I've also heard versions of stupidity or busyness. Yeah. Right? It's like we, we get so offended when somebody does something that we think that they're doing it on purpose. Or that they're evil or that they're lazy or whatever, when in fact, they probably just forgot or they didn't know any better or any number of reasons. And I, I, that was always a, a funny but useful kind of rule of thumb. It's inspired by that. Occam's razor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You probably know that. Yeah. And is
0: I like how it says stupidity because the nuance there is we're all stupid every day when we, have, when we split our attention. So there are mm-hmm. meetings I show up to where I'm not fully present yeah. and so you're only getting the dumbest 10% of my brain in that meeting. Of course I'm going to do something stupid doesn't mean I'm I'm stupid or you should think I'm stupid or maybe I am but we do behave stupidly when we only allocate like a a distracted part of our brain towards a problem and yeah. I think assigning jumping to the conclusion where you assign malice or malintent to that is not a healthy behavior. Robert I I've wondered
1: like maybe recently because of all the Zoom and, and meetings, are we better off just saying no to requests of our time or the meetings where we know we're going to just be giving our 10 dumbest percent of, of our brain?
0: 100%. I think if you're not going to be present in a meeting, you should just not show up and or find someone to replace you or decline or whatever. Don't just bail last minute. But I think you should not be going to meetings where you're not needed to be fully present. And if you're needed to be fully present, you're not, that's a separate problem. But I I do agree it's harder to do in practice. I think we all find ourselves in those situations. But yeah, I do agree you should just not go.
1: I I think just using reflection, Charles, I think I've just found lately during the pandemic that I probably attend twice as many meetings where I'm distracted in in some sort of way, where before maybe it was 5% of my meetings that Today, it's probably 10% of my meetings. And the other question goes, do I need to reframe so I give more? Or is it really something that I should just be saying no to outright?
0: As long as you're not Hmm. saying no to Uh, podcast recordings, then I think we're (laughs) good. (laughs) That's
2: that's, that's very useful feedback.
0: Thank you. Thank you. There you go.
2: Well played, Robert. <laughs> I was gonna say something serious, but now it's not Oh,
0: okay. you can say something serious. That's
2: fine. <laughs> not not serious. It was just I was gonna I was reflecting on my meetings, Igor. And I think I don't find that happening. And mm. and I think it's because more and more of my meetings because I'm in I'm in way more meetings now than I was pre pandemic, but more of them are one on one meetings as opposed to mm. team meetings, which are the ones where like I may not be leading it. I likely am not leading that meeting. And so I can check out and come frazzled. I just, I was like, I don't have that luxury here. Why is that? And it's because I'm, they're mainly one-on-one. So I have to be on. That's right. And, but there are certainly times where I'm like, hey, I know we're here. I forgot why. (laughs) Can you catch me up on what we discussed last time? I do that all the time, which, you know, I wish I didn't. And, but I certainly experienced more of that. It's like, we've got this recurring thing. I know we got this thing going on and there's a theme to what we've been discussing. I just, I have forgot, like catching back up. And then normally I can get right into it. But yeah, there are often times where I'm like, why are we here? What's the purpose? N- not like
1: in a bad way, right? No. An inquisitive, curious way.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let's just, let's be, let's be efficient. If it's chit chat, let's chit chat. I love chit chat. Sometimes people want to get right to the heart of things too. And that's fine. Yeah. So just in these days, there's just not a lot of room for that. Right over Zoom because a lot of that chit chat used to happen over lunch or at the Mm -hmm. coffee machine or in the hallways or on a walk or grabbing coffee or, and yeah, it's, yeah, someday we'll be back face to face.
0: Yeah, can't wait.
2: More often than not.
0: Hey, I had a great conversation with y'all today. I thought it was good. Yeah, same. Chapter, if I could sum it up in one word, I think it's just a lazy. It just wasn't that impactful. They're pointing kind of pointed about the right. In the right space, they have some cautionary things which are okay. The thing about focusing on positivity first makes sense, but there's a lot of nuance in there. And if you took this chapter at face value, I think it could do a lot of harm. We'd recommend you just go and check it out Manager Tools if you're wondering about how to be really good at giving feedback. Hopefully, what we offered up was helpful, and we'll talk about line number six next week. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, guys. All right, hey, great talking to you. Great talking See to you. y'all that's it for today. Thanks for joining. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at WannaGrab Coffee, or drop us a line at hello at WannaGrabCoffee.com.